and they don't get defensive should you ask questions or argue with them. Because really the smart person has an inherent knowledge that they're also correct. And if you're talking about something theoretical, a lot of the stuff I talk about on this podcast are theoretical things or ideas or stuff. I would be quite comfortable saying, I don't know if this is true or not. This is just theoretical. This is just an idea. So the way you could figure out if someone is smart or if someone is trying to fake being smart is by asking them more questions because the more detailed answers that makes sense would be a great indicator. Also, them being able to explain things to you that you are not an expert about would also be an indicator that they understand the content thoroughly enough that they can explain it to someone else. Anyone who says, I'm not able to explain this to you because you're not smart enough or I can't explain this to you because you wouldn't understand, that to me shows that they don't have a thorough or deep understanding of the content they're talking about themselves because anyone who really understands something can explain it. Now, they might not be able to explain it as thoroughly as when they're speaking to someone else with knowledge or uh, an expert in that field, but they would be able to explain it to you in a conceptual way. They'd be able to, you know, gloss over some of the deeper points to get you to the idea. So yeah, the simple answer to this is how do you find out if someone is faking the fact that they have a high IQ or smart or something would be to really speak to them. As I've talked about several times in the past, and I might even start putting a little bit of a kibosh on the IQ questions because Quora seems obsessed with high IQ and being a smart, intelligent, which again, to me, sort of underscores the lack of confidence in the whole Quora community when they spend so much time and put so much value on IQ, which isn't, you know, again, really a thing. But I think the other aspect of this is that a truly smart person doesn't spend time wondering if they're smart or trying to prove to other people that they're smart. They're just smart all the time. And I think you'll find that also plays into their sort of underlying confidence where they know what they're talking about. They don't need to prove it to you because they know it's true. There's a core question. What happens to a heavy smoker when he or she goes to prison? And it's pretty obvious uh, what the actual answer is because I'm assuming... Heavy smoker means like a pack or two packs a day. And cigarettes, while they might be available in prison, would not be as available as they would be before. So you would go through the various steps of withdrawal. The only reason I found this interesting because it immediately sparked a memory. And it was from the TV show Stargate Universe. And that was the Stargate show. I think it was about five or six of those shows. Uh, But this one had a spaceship. And it was one of those ones where the spaceship gets flung out into space. And they're lost in space. And they have to try to find their way home. Very sort of standard lost in space storyline, but within the Stargate universe. Within the second or third episode, they did something that kind of blew my mind because it's really obvious, but I never would have thought of it, even though I've gone through the same thing myself. The captain or the leader is trying to find out how everyone's doing because they've all been lost in space. It's been a few days and he goes and talks to... Uh, the doctor or someone who's in charge of the health of the crew. And he says, how's the crew doing? And she says, there are a lot of caffeine headaches. And that's because on the spaceship, since they weren't prepared to do this, they didn't bring any coffee with them. And the science community, the nerd community at large, is a enthusiastic imbiber of caffeine. So you can imagine everyone on that ship had to go cold turkey. And I thought that was a really interesting premise because for a few days, 
everyone would be miserable. I quit drinking cola. I was very heavy cola. Well, I drank cola every single day for, for years and years and years. And I decided I needed to quit. Not, prim- not really for health reasons, but just because I didn't like the idea of being addicted to a substance more than anything else. Uh, health would have been a side benefit as far as I was concerned. But I went through the caffeine withdrawal and it took, for a few days it was headaches and I just took aspirin and stuff and it actually was, wasn't too bad for that. But I did find that my big problem was I started getting really, really hungry at weird times because caffeine is an appetite suppressant. So I had to find ways to sate my hunger without going back and just drinking cola. Because when I went online, the irony is when I went online and was looking for ways to sort of lose weight or maintain my weight, manage my weight, stuff like that, one of the first ones that actually came up was drinking caffeine. Because it's an appetite suppressant, you don't actually feel hungry. Uh, The offset of that is if you're drinking cola like I was, that's not coffee. The calorie and sugar in there is going crazy up. So you're probably going to be gaining just as much weight as you would normally lose just by taking caffeine. So I wasn't going to take caffeine pills or anything. That was all a bit much. I actually wanted to cut the caffeine altogether. But from a writing perspective, I found that a really interesting idea because they don't tend to show things like that. They don't show people who get stranded or lost or other things. They don't show them going through the withdrawal from the things they've become addicted to. So like caffeine and cigarettes and these ideas. If you are ever writing a story and in that story you have someone far flung from home, they might have some of the thing they're addicted to. So they have a choice. It would be an interesting choice to have to make as a, as a writer. Do they go on one last binge session? So it could be anything. It could be anything small. It could be sugar. It could be caffeine. It could be cigarettes. It could be a serious drug problem. It could be some kind of pill. I have flirted with addiction to painkillers because I just take so many. It's not ever been a big problem because we're just talking aspirin and stuff. So I've never felt withdrawal. But I have noticed that I have had to manage pain regularly throughout my life. And I've been worried about becoming addicted to painkillers. I even think for a short time, what I was doing was managing the pain I felt every day through alcohol, which is particularly dangerous. So what I would do is I'd I'd do judo and stuff. And then I'm getting to that age where I feel sore for days and days and days. And so not the day of judo, not the day of the workout, but a few days later, I would actually start drinking in the evening before I went to bed because it would really relax me. I would feel a lot less pain and I would actually sleep better, even though alcohol by itself can disturb your sleep cycle. So when I realized I was doing that, I actually started cutting out alcohol. I wasn't keeping alcohol in the house. But back to my original point, if you're writing a story, it would be in the your group or the problem is they're stuck somewhere away from civilization that they know, it would be really interesting to take into account to include the struggle that people might feel when they are suddenly withdrawn from the convenient addictions that we would suffer every day, like caffeine and tobacco. What happens to a heavy smoker when he or she goes to prison? I assume they just go through some awful withdrawal. And that's just a a pretty obvious answer. But it is one of those points that would be worth considering whenever you change. But it's also a good reason to not let yourself become addicted to things. So if I went to prison right now for something, I would not have to go through the, it's very short, the mild suffering of withdrawal from caffeine. But it is sort of the impetus of why I gave up caffeine in the first place. I didn't want to be addicted to a substance no matter what it was. 
should I ever be imprisoned or get stuck on a spaceship that gets flung into the far reaches of space, I will not have to suffer through the withdrawal from caffeine. Although now that I've done it once or twice, it's actually not that bad. If you are deciding to change your lifestyle, perhaps that is the sort of consideration you should make. I should start eating and drinking just in case I end up being put in a prison or shot into space in such a way that I don't have access to all these foods so that I don't have to suffer through withdrawal. I also started doing chin-ups because if I ever got thrown off a building and had to catch a ledge, I wanted to be able to pull myself up. I didn't want to be one of those people who just had to hang and then slowly your fingers give out and fall to your death. So my actual motivation for doing chin-ups was not to give myself a bigger chest. That would be nice. I've never really been particularly successful in that area. But my goal was to be able to easily and quickly pull myself up should I ever get thrown off a ledge. So there's not going to be any long dramatic standoff when you throw me off a ledge. I'm going to get up off that ledge as quick as I can and get back into the business at hand. I, at my job, have to often make proposals. And proposals tend to need graphics and things. And we're not really supposed to just take clip art off the internet. We're supposed to use stuff either legally or make it ourselves. And I had a proposal for a series of business courses, primarily presentation courses. And one of the things I wanted to include in the presentation course was how to explain and present using graphs. Because that's something that every business person has to understand. How to use a graph, explain a graph, talk an audience through graphs. This is kind of a basic skill and it's not something people practice enough, so I thought that would be useful. In my proposal, I needed therefore, quite logically, to put a graph. So I did and I thought it would be a nice touch to put in a graph that was just meaningless information. I just needed something to show that there would be a graph here and this is what we would talk about. So I made a graph of Peter's hair over time. Up the x-axis was volume of hair. It went to 0 to 100, so it would be 0% to 100% hair. The y-axis was time. I hope I've gotten that right. I think I just did it backwards. I hope I got that. Clearly, I would need to take the course myself. That's how useful this course would be. And... What I did, it was just a basic bell curve because you had when I was born, I didn't have any hair and then it went up to, I think I put it in my 20s or something. I had max or peak hair. I never actually put it up to 100%. That was sort of a little sub joke that I don't think anyone would have noticed, but I got it up to about 80 or 90%. And then it started dropping over time. And the idea is I'm making fun of the fact that I have started losing my hair. This is the kind of thing that people find funny. Recently, I found out that that proposal was not necessarily rejected, but pushed aside. And it seems as though one of the managers who saw it didn't like the fact that the graph was about hair loss because that manager was losing their hair. Now, this is the kind of thing that you should start taking into account as you do business. You can offend other people by insulting yourself. The graph clearly said Peter. So the author of the document that you're reading, this is self-deprecation, this is supposed to be humorous, I am not intending to insult anyone else. But the joke being only so related to that man's life, he decided that it was not something he wanted to pursue. 
I can only see this as one of two things. It is the level of self-consciousness that the man must suffer from that he's losing his hair. Now, I have embraced my hair loss. I make jokes about it regularly because, again, I'm making fun of myself. I don't feel as though someone else gets hurt. But this guy clearly saw this and he saw hair loss and he saw it as a reminder of his hair loss and therefore a reminder of the loss of his manhood. And that was problematic. But I actually see a bigger problem and it's the secondary aspect of this and it's the level of narcissism. And I think that is something that happens to people in management. They become narcissistic. They think that their opinion is valuable. They think that what they say matters. They think people should listen to them. And therefore, every piece of information that comes across their desk that comes to them is also somehow about them. Because the level of narcissism to think that a random joke, again, self-deprecating joke about someone else, is in a way related to or about you shows that you think that everything is about you and your opinions and your feelings. And the real problem here is that a solid proposal for a needed product was not properly considered because of narcissism. Now, there's nothing else I can do about it. I could basically, in the future, hopefully when either that manager has changed jobs or moved on or just left the company, I could resubmit and then use that actual chart and maybe the next manager will get it and find it funny and not think that I'm making a joke about them. My immediate manager who I showed the proposal to thought it was really funny, but that's because she got it. She looked at it and said, huh, that's something that our company is maybe missing is a sense of humor because we deal a lot in customer service and we deal a lot in dealing with people and people in general tend to like humor and self-deprecating humor is quite honestly, generally the safest kind of humor to do because even if it's hurtful, if it's hurtful and directed at myself, that's pretty safe space to be in. But it was just a story I heard. I, again, I actually don't know if this story is true because I heard this through a third party. This was kind of a grapevine story. But if it is true, it made me think like how many opportunities have been missed because someone has not looked at something the right way because someone has put themselves too deep into the content or the idea and found it distasteful because of some unrelated psychological issue that they suffer from. I mean, I'm not down about it. So if you are going out into the business world, this is maybe some Velocipodcast advice for young people in the, in the workplace. If you're going out into the business world, it is actually self-deprecation isn't even a safe form of humor. You basically have to remain almost humorless if you want proposals and ideas to be taken seriously because you actually can't take that chance. Missing this opportunity hasn't negatively impacted me or my job because my job doesn't actually rely on these proposals being successful. I just make proposals all the time for ideas and they can take bits of it or they can take the whole thing and do with it what they will. If you are entering into an area or a business or a company where you don't know, it actually is beneficial to play it safe and not make any jokes at all, which is too bad because honestly, the business world and the world at large could use a bit more of a sense of humor. Along the same lines as the use of the word literally, but to a lesser degree because people don't think about it very much, 
I believe the word reverse is often used incorrectly. The first example of this that comes to mind is reverse racism. Now, racism is... <laughs> Webster's Dictionary defines racism. Racism is when you don't like someone because of their color or creed or something like that. And it's actually very broad, technically. But we tend to use it as white people being racist towards visible minorities, which is pretty accurate most of the time. That's why it's gotten into people's mentality that way. Then the term reverse racism came out. I don't know if it gets used much anymore in the West because I don't live there anymore. But what they meant was visible minorities hating white people. Now that isn't reverse racism. That's just racism. Because you're still hating someone because of the color of their skin, not the content of their character. The only word in the definition of racism that can be reversed is the word hate. So reverse racism would be loving someone because of their race or religion. So that would be, I find this person, I have fallen in love with this person because they are a certain color, not because of the content of their character. So they're a shitty human being. They're a terrible person, but I've fallen in love with them because they are Latino. And so that's, that's something that always bothered me because people would use reverse racism when they were really just talking about racism. It just happened in a different direction. So what you would need is racism, with, but with some sort of clarification is that it's happening from minority to the majority in this case. The reason this came to mind is one of the researchers who works for me sent me a video and the title was Reverse Bukake. Now, this was a, if I can be honest, pornographic film. But again, without even seeing it, I knew that it wasn't really going to be reverse bukake. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and assume you know what bukake is and you don't want me to explain it to you. If you don't know what it is, you could do a search, but I don't know if that's going to be a good usage of your time or your afternoon. What we had in the video that I still haven't watched, but I plan to do some research. But what we had in the video was not reverse bukake, but gender swapped bukake. So it was a bunch of women enthusiastically applying their bodily fluids to a young man. And so again, my, pro my problem with this concept is it's not reverse. We don't call, when they gender swapped Thor or... Iron Man. They didn't call it reverse Thor. And they didn't call it reverse Iron Man because it was still Thor. It was still Iron Man. They just turned they just changed the character from a male to a female. And the same when the doc when Doctor Who regenerated in the last iteration. It's not reverse Doctor Who. It's just changed gender. So changing the gender is not reverse bukake. I understand the implication. What they're trying to say is the person who used to be subjugated is now doing the subjugating. And that might be where they imply the reverse is happening. But to me, it doesn't fit with the spirit of what the word reverse means. Real reverse bukake would be probably a woman. It wouldn't actually have to be, but I would say probably a woman because you want to get sort of the reverse action. So it have to go from A to B. So it should go from B to A. And traditionally, bukake is forced upon a, a female. And the woman puts the ejaculate back into the man. So my first thought, of course, was she blows the semen into the penis to the point where it gets overly full, let's say. And that to me seems like an accurate depiction of what reverse bukake would be. 
because the semen is going back where it's supposed to come from. And the whole point of bukkake is there's a lot of it. So you're almost putting too much semen back in the man. Whereas gender swap bukkake is not really a reversal. It's not a satisfying reversal. So in the future, should you run across a usage of the word reverse, please just take a moment and think, is it really being reversed? What element of this statement, of the original statement, could be reversed? And is that what's happening? Or are they using the word reverse incorrectly? Because language is important and we need to start getting this stuff right. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet at VelociPeter or email VelociPodcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast or go to VelociPeter.com slash podcast. Or get stuck on a spaceship that gets th- flung into the far reaches of space. The x axis up the x axis.